Welcome to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. Our goal is to help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us. Now, let's join our team as we get to follow up, break down, and gain deeper insight into this week's message. Hey guys, welcome back to the TC Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I'm Justin Oswald. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Justin Oswald underscore proceed with caution. Brad Livingston's with me again. <laughs> as always, guys. As always. As always, and uh, welcome back. Another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast, and we are, uh, man, super excited in the Thought Attack series, and yeah. so we've we've made it through the first week, and we got into the second week on Sunday, and it's a great day. We're very excited to have all of you uh, tuning in with us today, and and uh, hopefully you've had a chance to go watch or listen to the sermon, either listen on the podcast or watch it online, transformationchurch.com. And, uh, and we'd love to hear from you, too. So don't forget, just like Justin said, you find us on Twitter at uh, Justin Oswald underscore for him and at Brad Livingston underscore for myself uh, or Instagram. You can find us on either one. But yep. uh, if you got any love, got anything you want to let us know, got any questions, something we can answer for you, please give us a shout out on there. We'd be glad to respond back to you. All day. Uh, so, yeah. And Justin, Justin lives. Almost, you, you, you're more Twitter than I am. I'm oh, yeah. much more of an Instagram guy myself. No, I'm on Instagram. I like Instagram yeah, yeah, a yeah, lot. Of but, course. But, yeah. I, yeah. You're Twitter. You're Twitter. I through love through. Twitter. The news outlet resource. Yeah. That's just your lane, right? I wish it was... I wish it was not feel like it's slipping away, you know, like over yeah. time. It's not like the platform it used to be as far as, you know, all that. But anyways, yeah, it's my favorite. Right on. So I, like, I love it. Send us some love. If you guys got questions, hit us up. Let us know. But we are going to jump straight into what we covered on Sunday. and uh, As we're recording as live we're, as from our brand new studio. That's true. That's true. From our brand new studio uh, at our new office complex and uh, man we have to man we're so grateful the Lord opened up a huge window and door of opportunity for our new offices for those of you that aren't in Pensacola or maybe you just haven't heard the news yet uh, we've been uh, we've ha- been introduced an opportunity to partner with a school in the facility that we had been using and and, um, and in so in doing so uh, we went looking for new office space um, as part of, uh, kind of the, the deal and the agreement we worked out with them. And, and, uh, so we were looking, 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 and God opened up a, a door, right, man, like kind of in the heart of the city, right in the middle of everywhere. Um, and, uh, great facility. And then pastor Dan, yeah, <laughs> past, like, man, for those of you that don't know, I, I, Justin, you've, so you've sat around, you've been around a few pastors, you have, a, f- a, a few, a few, yes. right? So how long you've been on staff at churches? What, six years? Uh, almost no four, four. Okay. So full time <laughs> on staff four. full time on staff. And, but you, but from the day you got saved, you are very active. Very. Yes. So you weren't just like, you weren't no. just a Sunday morning cat. Like, no, no, so no. you've been very active. So you've been around a few pastors you could probably attest to this. I would put my life on the line to say that Pastor Dan is the harding working, hardest working pastor I've ever like. The guy never stops. Yeah. And in the new offices, like painted the walls, put the flooring down. Like yeah. We, and you, you're not meaning like he never stops. Like he does a lot of hospital visits. Oh, we're talking about like he's work. He's working like no. he painted. Uh, he he had some some help along the way. We're not just sure, still, of course. Yeah, you know, obviously, but he. Yeah, I mean, he he laid two rooms of carpet in here yesterday in like no time. Yeah, I swear it was like a half an hour or something. Like, and it's, yeah, he recarpeted, put new flooring in all three thousand square feet of our office space, which is 
I mean, he and he just never stops. Uh, yeah. And so, anyways, just shout out to PD because, man, he just goes and he it's, goes and goes. It's awesome. He's like the it Energizer looks, Bunny. It looks great too. It, it looks awesome. So we are uh, we're pumped bringing you our very first podcast from our new offices, and it's comfy, it's cozy, and it's nice. uh, we're gonna we're it's gonna get nice. into it. <laughs> so it is. Let's hit up what we talked about this week. This week, the whole concept of what we talked about. In the Thought Attack series um, was this question, do you see what I see? And the basic premise of what we're talking about with do you see what I see is that a lot of times we walk around very insecure about who we are, what we look like, what we're good at, the things we try to accomplish. We walk around very insecure because we are convinced people see us the way we see us. Mm Mm-hmm. And the way we see us is often considerably different than how most people see us. And it's always different than how God sees us. And so the whole idea behind Sunday of do you see what I see is trying to refocus and uh, put a new lens on how we see ourselves. That's kind of the whole the whole idea. So we started off with some image lies and and uh, on the image lies because what we Romans uh, eight, one through six is kind of our theme verse. And the whole idea is uh, in verse six, it says to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And the whole idea behind thought attacks is putting our mind on the things of the spirit, putting mm-hmm. them on what God has for us. And so um, we started off with lies we believe. And the, the first set of lies we believe are image lies, right? Mm-hmm. These are these are lies about our self image. And so we have phrases, um, like the first one, uh, I'm not valuable. Like w- we believe that we're not valuable. We have no worth. Right. You know? Um, and in that we have like our self image, which is how we see us. Then we have our public image, which is how others see us. But then we have our spirit image, which is how we think God sees us. Right. And so there's just, uh, the, there's the, I'm not valuable lie. Then the second one, Justin, what do you got there? Is I'm too messed up. I'm too messed up. You know, like I, I got too many problems. Everybody else has it all together. Um, I mean, we, we get really good at comparing our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. Yeah. And I think social media has made that worse, way worse. Yeah. Like, you know, so we see the person on Instagram. It's like no one posts their failures on social media. No. And it took them 30 minutes to post that. Right. You, you know, right, I, mean, right. no, I don't want this top. I want that top or I don't want these jeans and, and filters know. and everything else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I'm, we think we're too messed up. It's the lie that we believe. Right. Then we say, uh, I'm not enough for them talking about whoever it is that makes us feel like we're not good enough. I'm not enough for them. So I'm not enough for him. And when we talk about him, we're talking about the Lord. We're talking about God. Like, because I'm not enough for these people that I've staked all my value on then obviously i'm not good enough for god either not true um, not at all and then i'm the only one like this uh we think that we're the only ones going through these struggles <laughs> we're the only ones wrestling out this stuff you know yeah um that's by far <laughs> so and then i'm too jacked up for god to save me like the way we see ourselves. i'm too i'm just too jacked <laughs> like i'm too messed up there's no way god could save me and what, part of that, know. and part of that, I think we talked last week on the podcast talking about the audacity some people have to feel like that their their sin. I think that we were talking about that yeah, here. We, and about we mentioned week. it in this sermon. Yeah, I talked about it in the sermon on Sunday. Like, yeah, the audacity that 
our sin is so heavy or so great that it's more valuable or more weighty or it costs more than God's grace that was provided through Christ on the cross. In other words, my screw-ups are worth more than Jesus' salvation. Right. And it's like, ugh, not even close. Not true. Wrong again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and that brought us to Jeremiah 1.5. What do you got, Justin, on Jeremiah 1.5? I knew you before you were formed within your mother's womb. Before you were born, I sanctified you and appointed you as my spokesman to the world. Right, so he says that he knew us, like knew us. Well, Psalms 139, um, it says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your books. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And then he goes on to say, how precious are your thought about, thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. Yeah. Like So, man, throughout the Bible, we see how God loves us. Like he values us and, and that he wants our identity to be you know, rooted in him. So we have image lies, but then we also have execution lies. I think th- these are like these works-based lies. And honestly, bro, I don't know how you feel. I've been in this. I've been in the church world a long time. But you were Catholic before. I was gonna say you were Catholic before you got saved. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, you, you well, were, <laughs> you were you were Catholic, um, uh. and that's a there's a lot of works-based theology, or you know what I mean. Mm, um, there's a lot of works-based theology. Period, but but yeah. I was gonna say you've you've been I man I've been saved a long time and I've been in the church world my whole life and I could tell you this you know the ex, the execution lies are so rampant not just in people not just in lost people but just in the church even you know I mean there's this like we talk about this often we know pastors and church leaders that they they would say that we're only saved by grace alone but then in their preaching you hear this undertone of works based got to be good enough got to act saved got to and i'm not saying that their work shouldn't follow but it's almost like yeah no they put more emphasis on the way you should act than who you should be like i believe that when you recognize who you are in god and who you are in christ then your actions follow that Right, but if you just try to fix people's actions, but you never teach them who they are, and you never, you know, like we never come to actions the, are like a byproduct, right? That, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, once we know who we are, once we realize that we're a child of God, like the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Creator of the universe, then created us, and then through Jesus saved us, and because of that, He's adopted us into sonship or as sons and daughters. Like He wants us to be with him for eternity once we grab a hold of that it should change our actions right. but we don't have to change our actions to grab a hold of that exactly. and i feel like those sometimes that gets a little mixed, mixed up, up. You know? yeah it, it's almost like we teach you know almost like follow follow me in the sense of i do this i do this i do this and i'm a good christian so that's what you need to do and it's, it's just uh, yeah, it's just byproducts. Some a lot of that, the how people act is. Yeah, you know, it's not about acting. The yeah. gospel is not acting a certain way. And I think it's and and you see it, especially for guys like us. But I mean, you see it in, you see it culturally a lot. Like when you go from you when you go to different cultures around the world, you start to see like, oh man, some of these are way different than than what I thought. Like for example, I was sitting at a table a while back. 
um, sitting at a table back a while back and there was different preachers from around the world. So there's some from Germany, there was some from Russia, Pakistan, um, uh, Iraq, Israel. Um, there were just pastors from all over. And so we were all sitting down for dinner. Um, and it kind of came down for a, a particular conversation and what I was finding out in the conversation and if you want to know what the conversation was, you could tweet me and I'll answer it, but I'm not going to say it on this <laughs> podcast. But it came down to a conversation and I was realizing that there was something that we demonized in the United States. Like we, the church in the U.S. Oh, I know. Like, <laughs> the church in the U.S. has demonized this particular action, but are, but in the Bible doesn't speak to it the way the United States recognizes it. So the Bible says not to like it talks about it. But it doesn't recognize it the way the American church has. However, you go internationally, it is widely accepted um, because it's not, in, you can't in fact boil it down to sin. It's not actually sin. What certain people do with it is sinful. And I remember sitting there going, wow, like this isn't, you know, when you get into that culture, you're like, man, these, these, pastors or church leaders or whatever, you know, and it just changed my, the, even the way we approach like how our execution or how we should act as believers. It's like, well, in what context is that true though? You know? And I, so I just remember, well, I we have to be that. right. Cause we're Americans. Well, Wait, wait, well, so, <laughs> wait, wait, sorry. Well, that's uh, that's uh, the other podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, but yeah, so man, I, I remember just thinking to myself, like, hmm, this is uh, this is interesting. It's interesting that that what Americans, Americans, and um, the American church by and large recognizes as righteous, quote unquote, is according to certain. Um, acts or doing certain things the quote unquote right way. Um, but when you get outside of our country, those things aren't even considered Christian at all. And so I thought when I was thinking about that, I was like, man, how many people, how many people in Pensacola or the city of whoever you are, listener out there, how many people in your city don't go to church on Sunday because they didn't meet the standard that the church set as the bar for Christianity that the Bible never set for Christianity. Mm. Like, how many people aren't good enough to walk into our churches, but they would be good enough to sit down next to Jesus? A lot. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so because of that, like that's where these execution lines kind of came from. And so I wanted to kind of preface that. So Justin, uh, let's, let's go through these execution lines. What do you got on that first one? If I'm good enough at this, they won't see that. If I'm good enough at this, they won't see that. Now this one came from a conversation that I was having with a young woman in our church. Uh, she's a, she's younger. Um, you're probably listening right now. I'm not going to name you by name, but she's younger, late twenties. And, um, we were having a conversation and I was talking about confidence. Uh, and I was talking about knowing who you are. And, and she, she made the statement. She said, I'm very confident and I know who I am. And I, and in that moment I kind of spoke to her and I was like, actually, you're not, you're not confident because you don't know who you are. I said, you're confident at your ability to do a certain thing very well. And she is very well at a certain thing that we were talking about. Yeah. But I said, even that is an overcompensation in your life so that other people won't see the things that you're not good at. I was like, none of them are things that you identify yourself with or all of those things are the wrong things you identify yourself with, but none of them are the correct identification. Right. You know? And I was like, you're just, you're trying to be great at this thing in your life so that no one sees the areas where you feel like you're not good enough. 
And uh, it's common. <laughs> and she was like, "No, you're totally right." Like, and I was like, "Yeah, we 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 all do that." You know, I, I think we all do that for sure. Then the second one, I can prove them wrong by accomplishing this. Yeah, I can prove them wrong by accomplishing this. First of all, who is them? Right? Who is the them in all of our lives? Who is they? Who is they that we feel like we have to prove wrong? Do you follow DJ Khaled on Snapchat? <laughs> no, I don't follow. <laughs> he talks about they a lot. <laughs> they. They. The like, they. Stay away from they. Stay away from they. They don't want you to be successful. They right. don't want you to stay away Man, from they. Man, that's good stuff, though. I might, yeah. ha- I might have to now. He, he's pretty motivational in a weird way. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, because we do that. Man, we all do that so much as we kind of, we find ourselves fighting uh, against them and we can prove them or they wrong right. by accomplishing this. And what is the this? A lot of times we're trying to prove people wrong that don't actually matter. Think about it. How many people we're trying to prove wrong that we don't even like? Mm-hmm. Like, if you know what I mean? We would never hang out with them on the weekend. We would never spend any time with them. We're not going to their house for dinner, but we feel like we've got something to prove to them. It's like, man, why are we trying to prove people wrong that we don't spend our life with? <laughs> Listen, I got one person to make happy on this earth. That's my wife. All right. <laughs> Everyone else, you can love me. You can like me. You can hate me. It is what it is. But I got one person that I that I strive to for her to always know that I care about her. Right. Everyone else, it is what it is. You don't have to like me. Like, you, no. there's plenty of other places you can sit. It don't have to be at my table. You know what I'm saying? So... We can prove them wrong by accomplishing this. And then what is the this? I got to be a great CEO. I got to be a great businessman. I got to be a great parent. I got to be a great one. Like, you know, like if I accomplish this, then I'm proving them wrong. Like you don't have anything to prove. Then number three, when I overcome this struggle, then I'll be good enough. When I overcome this struggle, and what is this struggle? It's the one we all have. Like we all have the thorn in the flesh, like Paul talked about. Like we all have that area of our life that's kind of jacked up. We all have an area of our life where you don't have it all together yet. Yeah. And uh, we think that we got to overcome the struggle so that we can come to God. And essentially what Jesus did is made it possible for us to come to God so that he can help us overcome our struggle. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's, it's almost backwards. It is. You know, people think that they need to clean the fish before they catch them. It's like, no. Like you throw out good bait, then you get them in the boat, mm-hmm. you know, like, so then I'm just tired. But once I get that, once I obtain that, what, once I get the new car, once I get the bigger house, once I get the better job, once I get the bigger paycheck, then I'll be good. Like all this will be worth it. And we find ourselves realizing that it doesn't matter how much of that quote unquote you obtain, it's still never good enough. You know, there's never a big enough car that makes you feel fulfilled. There's never a better and big enough, uh, more expensive car, uh, house never a big enough house, there's never a better job, there's never a big enough paycheck that fills that hole that Jesus, only he can fill in our, you know, in our lives. And then last, it kind of goes along with the last one and the one before that, my sins are too bad for God to save me. And we all, like, it's just not the case. No. So. Surely someone has sinned more than you. Yeah. Surely, whatever you have done. Like, you know what I mean? So, Tim Keller has a quote for us and, uh, and, and I think it kind of sums up what we were trying to communicate with the whole uh, sermon from Sunday. And Tim, Tim Keller says, the most damaging statements that, we have, that have ever been said about us are those things we have said about ourselves to ourselves. In other words, there is no more dangerous place for a believer than in the mind of that believer. Yeah. Because then we communicate things 
that quite frankly, no one else sees. And usually God doesn't even see like we just like we see them and we even use mirrors on Sunday. We brought some mirrors up on stage and we were talking about how we dissect the parts about ourselves that we don't like. And we start seeing us differently than how God sees us. And we start seeing us only through our flaws, you know, and like we have to change that. Yeah. And so what we did is we gave a five-step process for how to do that. And we're kind of reverse engineering, which Justin, you're the reverse engineer guy. Love it. (laughs) So Justin is a reverse engineer guy. He likes to start at the destination and then work his way backwards to what the next steps are. Yep. And uh, so that's kind of the, what we did Sunday. We reverse engineered our steps to get to where uh, we knew we needed to be. So the, the, the end goal, actually, when, when we overcome the lies in our mind, the end goal is that we would experience authentic flourishing, right? And so in authentic flourishing, man, we're becoming all that Christ has purposed us and built us to be. And, and uh, you know, so there's this idea of authentic flourishing. And, and all of these start with the word authentic, because there's a false narrative mm. around what they are. So, so there's, the, there's flourishing from what the world would paint the picture as. You know, If you're flourishing in the world, it means you've got the job you want, the house you want, the car you want, the amount of kids you want, the spouse. Like You've got the right bank account. Like, like the successful. Yeah, you, you're quote-unquote successful. It, yeah. yeah. And so then, but then there's authentic flourishing. Right. I think about my grandpa, and I don't know if you had any relatives like this, but I think about my grandpa, my dad's dad. Like never, never had tons of money. Like what just wasn't that guy, you know? Um, but he was also pretty much debt free. Like he, he had a hard time buying a car because he didn't have any credit. Not because his credit was bad. He didn't have, he paid cash for everything, you like, know? Like Dave Ramsey's dream. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> that was like, that was my grandfather. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, but I remember, um, you know, thinking, thinking back to him and, and kind of some of the, the things that he, um, kind of represented and his life didn't have a lot of things, but he was always happy. Like he was always content with his life. Like he, he was, he, he, he looked for every opportunity to be a great impact in the life of someone else. He didn't worry about buying a new car just because there was a new car or a bigger house, just because there was a bigger house. Like that's money he could use to put into other people's lives. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was the whole, the whole thing. So Authentic flourishing is true flourishing. What does it look like to live a life where you're flourishing, man? You know, and, and for some people, that's it's always different. It's not the same for every person, but I can always tell you what it's not. Right. If you're basing your flourishing on obtaining things, you're not, that, that not ain't it. it. Not you know, it. That's not it. Matthew 5, 11, uh, this comes from the Beatitudes. And it says, uh, you know, usually says, blessed are you when others revile against you and perse- persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. But the true word for, for the Beatitudes, the true word for Matthew chapter 5 um, is uh, Maca- Makarios. Sorry, Makarios. Are you rusty on your uh, Greek? Uh, on my Greek, yeah. <laughs> is Makarios, and that means, it, it actually, the word that best translates from that is the word flourishing. So you're flourishing when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you false on my account. Because the word blessed kind of drives you to a point where you have to, if you do these things, then you will experience these things. But but the way that he was actually trying to communicate that is because you are these things, you are flourishing. So is is Matthew 5.11 in the ESV, it says flourishing instead of blessed? 
Uh, or did, did you put this here? Yeah, no, it's because I switched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so, so yeah, so ble- blessed are you, but that the Greek word is the best word is, is flourishing. Is yeah, and we even uh, there was even some notes that we didn't even get to hit on, but it it, it kind of describes the word. It says blessed, but it describes a believer in in a fortunate position. And why are we in that fortunate position? Because of grace, right? So because of grace, we're fortunate to experience these things, mm-hmm. which means we're flourishing. And because we're flourishing in Christ, because of grace, we're experiencing these things, you know, so the blessed, like blessed are those, it means blessed are those. And those people are blessed because they're flourishing. Why are they flourishing? Because of grace. So because of grace, you will experience these things. So that means you're flourishing in yeah. who you are, you know? That's so, good. Yeah. So it's, um, it's good, man. And then off of that, there's authentic flourishing. Then the second one, is authentic fulfillment. It's authentic fulfillment, right? And uh, and because in, in an authentic fulfillment, it means that we are finding our way to fulfilling the purpose that God has us on the earth for. So we're fulfilled because we're doing the thing that we love. We're doing the thing we were built to do. We're making an impact in people's lives. And and um, the difference between fulfillment and flourishing is fulfillment means we have found the reason we exist and what we need to do to have a fulfilled life. Flourishing is that we're already operating in it in such a huge way. So we have flourishing and then we have fulfillment. Um, and and what's super cool about fulfillment, First uh, Peter 2, 8 and 9, this is in the Living Bible. Yeah, you have been chosen by God himself. You are priest of the king. You are holy and pure. You are God's very own. All this so that you may show to others how God called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Wonderful light. Right. And so that's uh, authentic fulfillment. Like we've been chosen to be these ambassadors. Like we've been chosen to carry this message. So authentic fulfillment comes from knowing why we're here. You know, I love what Chris Hodges says. There's two, the two greatest days in your life is the day you were born and then the day you find out why. Yeah. And it's like, man, we need to find our why. Why are we here? What, what, why, God, why do you have me here? None of us are an accident. So God, why do you have me here? And what is the thing you want to do with your life? And when you discover that, and then you start to use it, then you start to make a difference. Uh, then you're, then you're walking out a fulfilled life. Absolutely. So then we find ourselves in the next point that leads to fulfillment because fulfillment leads to flourishing. So what could lead to fulfillment? Authentic freedom. Authentic freedom, Right. And, and freedom is found in your true forgiveness. It's found in your confession. It's found through your relationships. But we know at Transformation Church that, all, that true freedom happens in the context of relationships. Um, and so you, like, we have to understand that in those relationships, we're going to experience true freedom, which is why we're so big on small groups. And we just kicked off our small groups. You went to, which one did you go to this past week? Well, I do mine. Right, the, right, we the do freedom, the lunch yeah. and then I do the freedom group. And then uh, I was gonna go. I was gonna go Sunday to Anthony's like hangout group, but I fell asleep and I got home and all that <laughs> stuff. And I didn't end up going. It was a long Sunday. I did yeah. go check everything. Well, but. then you did Saturday night. You did dinner group. Too. Oh yeah, the dinner group. That's right. I yeah. knew there was one more in there. Yeah. yeah. So you do. So you do freedom group, and then we have lunch group. That we do that together on Thursdays for yeah. guys. 
and then you did Saturday night dinner group, and, and then Sunday, like we we do a lot of small groups. Do a lot, yeah. Well, that's what's funny is like people ask us. I don't know if they ask you a lot, but they do ask me sometimes. They're like, "Do you really like what small groups do you go to? Like, are you really participating?" I'm like, "Uh, yeah." That's well, like Saturday dinner groups, the Sunday group, you know, for the millennials or whatever. Yeah, like, I I totally was gonna go Sunday. I told I even told Anthony I was like, "Hey, do I need to bring anything?" And he was like, "Nah," you know. And then I got home after a long day and, and shot. So I fell asleep. You know, yeah. Sunday's Sunday's hard for me to get back out once I get home. You I know. hear you. you. Know. I do. But yeah, so no, we're definitely part of small, like, and it's a requirement for us as staff. Like we, yeah, we, re- we, we require our, our, our staff members, all of them, um, at least part, but, um, to actually even lead a group, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, true that. And it's, it's important. That's well, that's the thing is it's like, because through relationship, you get introduced to accountability. Accountability happens in its best, in its best context happens through relationships. Right. So relationships that like, you know, we, we spend time eating dinner together and all, you know, all those things are super important. The thing is, is most of the church never experiences authentic freedom. Mm-hmm. They never walk in the freedom of their past. They never deal with their yesterday. They never get through the nonsense that they've been through in life, which was very real. The struggle, the pain, the hurt, you know, the conflict, what all those things were very real and they never get to make it through freedom. So fulfillment and flourishing aren't even an option. Right. You know, we've we like we've heard some of these some of the statistics for some of this. Like, I think it's eighty seven percent of the church never makes through, never finds their way through freedom. Like they never they can never deal with their yesterday. Like they never. And uh, man, at the end of the day, we we have to. You must genuinely release the words and actions done to you uh, and over you, uh, so that you can walk in true freedom. Like you got to let those things go. And then you got to deal with whatever it is that you're struggling with. And the problem, the problem is, I think it's that statistic, that number is so high is, man, in, and I'm going to say like the church really has a hard time helping people to see that or give practical steps, practical, you know, practical, real, real steps. You know, most churches lack discipleship on, on some level, you know, so many are good at helping people get saved even, but it's like, and that's, and that is awesome. Not bashing that at all. Obviously sure, people got to get saved, but it's like, and then what, right. You know, and then what? what's the next step? Yeah. Right. So that's why I think, you know, why for us, even we use the term next steps a lot. And a lot of what we do, it's, it's important to help people like walk them on this journey you know, yeah, but absolutely. you know, it's like, it's awesome that you're saved and you're going to heaven, but like you may not, you may be on the earth another 30 or 40 years. Like let's, you know what I mean? Like let's, <laughs> no, yeah, let's, absolutely. let's help you get, get that freedom. That's why it's so important. Yeah, and, no, absolutely. And I don't know. I think there are, obviously there are churches that do that. Well, I think as a whole, the, the, at least a Western church has a deficiency there. hasn't figured out a good, a good system that is like widely accepted. You know, I think there are churches starting to see the need for that and want to implement, you know, practical things, but man, that's, that's a, that's a big one. You No, no, you're, you're right. hundred percent. In Galatians five, one, uh, this is in the, in the message Bible paraphrase. It says Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again, let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. In other words, let no one put a yoke of heaviness. Let, don't let anyone control you um, because they don't have that. The only reason anyone has control in your life is if you give it to them. Like no, The only way anyone has that type of yeah, that control over your mind exactly. is if you give it to them. Uh, and we talked about that on Sunday, a little bit of forgiveness. Like, man, unforgiveness is letting someone else live rent-free in your own mind and in your thoughts. Yeah. Um, and so, man, we have to do that. The next, 
is an authentic foundation. foundation, right? An authentic foundation. And that's important. I think authentic foundation, the reason I was just going to do authentic freedom than, than, than the last one, but I've, I've put authentic foundation in there because I think people can have, a lot of people want freedom, but they don't see God correctly. They don't see God in his true nature. And since they don't see God in his true nature, um, it makes the steps hard or difficult to navigate. And so you have to have an authentic foundation uh, where you realize that what God has said is absolute truth over you. Like, I mean, Satan's original plan that still remains is to break up our understanding of God and what he says about us. Mm-hmm. So like Satan's game plan is the same, to make you think less of you than what God thinks of you. Because it doesn't matter what God says about you if you don't believe it then the enemy still wins. So all of God's words are still true. They're still yes and amen. But the enemy, can, if he can get in and cause us to doubt, and that's what he's aiming for. First John 3, 1 through 2 uh, says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Mm-hmm. Like, man, we have to recognize that, that he's called us. Ephesians 1, 5 through 6, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Like So there's a, there's a foundation issue that I think a lot of people are missing in the church. We don't understand God's nature. God, like, I mean, God is holy. And I think even in one of the services, we spent a little more time talking about it than the other, but that God, like... God is still wrathful. He is still vengeful. Like he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what Jesus did is absorbed that wrath upon himself so that grace could flow freely to us. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so because of that, God doesn't see us through vengeful, wrathful eyes. He sees us through the lens that Jesus created and made possible on the cross, which is through love and through grace. Doesn't mean that his wrath is gone. No, his wrath is still very much alive. Like, it doesn't mean that his vengefulness is gone. No, it's still very much alive. It's just that Christ absorbed it on the cross on behalf of those who put faith, their faith in him, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, man, such a huge moment. And then that leads us to the last one. Yes, an authentic faith. Which is authentic faith. Um, in Hebrews 11, 1 uh, says, Now faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Um, and then we got to play that video. What did you think about the video? I haven't even talked to you about it since I played it. I liked it. I've never heard that. Yeah. You know, I like, I, who was the guy? It was art something. Let me, let me pull it up. I can tell you, but it yeah. was, I liked it. Yeah. He did a, he did a, you know, I couldn't quote it. It was long. Seen it yeah, once. No, yeah. It was, uh, I, I liked, um, I think that added a nice little touch to the message. I think he did a good job of, of, um, you know, making the point for you. Yeah. Art. Azurdia is his name. Uh, the the song it's actually a song on Beautiful Eulogy's album. So Beautiful Eulogy is a is a group it's on Apple Music. The song is Devotion, featuring Art Azurdia by Beautiful Eulogy. Um, and I just the first time I heard it, so I usually hate 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 when people do tracks on CDs or albums or you know like we don't get CDs anymore. But when they introduce an album and it has a talking track on it where people are just like talking. It gets on my nerves. I'm like, I was in a groove and then someone, now someone's talking. Um, and so usually I've been skipping over that track for like six months. 
Well, the other day I was just doing something in my truck and the song and, and it was playing and then the music started playing with it and I wasn't really paying attention. And all of a sudden he made one, he said one phrase and it caught my attention, caught my attention. And I was like, oh snap, like, let me go back and listen to that. So I went back and I listened to the whole thing and my mind was just blown by his depiction and how he communicates authentic faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and he communicated it from the perspective of like faith isn't believing in God. Faith is believing God, that everything he has said is true. Everything that he does is right. Like Faith is, and, and if you need to increase your faith, then you need to increase the object of your faith. In other words, if your faith is small, then what you have put your faith in is small. Mm-hmm. So if you're not believing in God enough, that means God's not a big enough part of your life. And I was just like, like mind blown, you know? Um, yeah, it was good. And so, yeah, I encourage all of you guys to go check it out. Devotion by Beautiful Eulogy featuring Arne Zerdi. It's, uh, it's good stuff. But the way he communicates authentic faith is was was killer. To me, it was kind of the cherry on top of the whole deal of helping people understand that God's desire for us isn't merely that we would believe in this giant person on the hill, you know, with a magnifying glass, you know, or this person on a chair with a big stick waiting to judge us, like, but that God is genuinely seeing us the way he created us, you know? And I ended with the story, <laughs> I ended with two stories, but the one I'll kind of reference was um, when I was playing, when I was little, I told the story about, uh, did you hear it in the second service? Because I only told it in the second service, I didn't say in the first service, when I was playing bass, or when we were playing t-ball when I was little. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, we were playing in the front yard, and my sister was going to get up, she was going to show me, like, how to hit the ball right, and I was like, I was probably five. Yeah, I couldn't have been six yet. So I was probably four or five. And for whatever reason, I go running towards her while she's swinging a bat and she hits me right in the side of my face, uh, <laughs> right on my eye. Yeah, buddy. And, uh, and so, man, we put ice on it, the whole deal, you know, swollen, black and blue, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, we never did anything about it. Like it was, just, it just seemed like one of those things like, oh, it doesn't seem that bad. Well, it wasn't until high school when I had to go get some, I had to go get something done on my face, um, an x-ray and all this other stuff. And the doctor was like, man, you've got some serious trauma here. Um, this must've happened a long time ago. And I was like, I don't even know when that happened. And then like, he started asking questions like, oh wow. Yeah. That must've been when my sister hit me with, <laughs> with a bat. And, um, and he said, yeah, yeah, I can see the trauma. And so he printed out a picture of my skull and then he printed out a picture of my face and he showed me my left eye is like a little bit like uh, two millimeters lower than my my right eye or whatever. And uh, he was like, you see that? And now every time I look in the mirror, I can't not see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you don't see something and all of a sudden someone points it out and now you can't stop seeing it. Yeah. Now I see it all the time, like with my eyes. That's funny. And um, and so I now I see this like big, in my mind, this big flaw that I have, but no one else sees it, you know? God doesn't, you know, like God doesn't see me that way. People don't see me that way. My wife doesn't see me that way, but it's I, now it's something I see. But how many of us do that spiritually? Oh yeah. Like everyone around us tells us that we're great or that, you know, that we're doing a great job at whatever, or whatever, you know, uh, God shows his love on us. And like, so he's, he's telling us we're great. The people around us are encouraging us all this, but we don't like, we're worried that everyone in the world, including God sees what we see, which is all the things that we're terrible at. We, we think that he sees us as a person that's so screwed up, the person, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's like, man, he just doesn't, that's not the way God sees us. And that's not the way other people see us. And the ones that do see us that way, 
We don't need to put give validation to what they think anyways. So we just need to change the way we think. And just almost not care. Yeah. In a sense. Like it's hard, you know, not caring what people think. Yeah. You what a, what a thought. What a thought. <laughs> and but, um that I know that's tough for people. I know it's tough. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know that's hard. That's a hard one. Especially when you think that God's pointing out every flaw that you see when you look in the mirror, you know. Like mm-hmm. even if there is a flaw, like a, a, a physical flaw. Right. Like God actually created you. <laughs> like yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, or absolutely. obviously he didn't like with your sister hitting you, you yeah. know, he didn't create <laughs> right. that. But you know what I mean? Like destined uh, and purpose. That um, bad no, this um, yeah. uh, a lot of people, you know, are, are it's physical things that mm-hmm. they were even born with or created with, or they just wish their hair was different or, or whatever. whatever, you right. know? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. So that's it guys. What do we want to do? We have to have authentic faith so that we can have a, an authentic foundation so that we can lean on authentic freedom so that we can have authentic fulfillment and then experience authentic flourishing. Why? Because that's the path God has for us. We don't have to see us the way other people see us. Uh, we don't have to see us the way we think God sees us, but that's really the way the enemy wants us to see us. We should see us the way God sees us. That's as children of him. Uh, and so we celebrate today who God is. And so we pray that Sunday's message created an impact and helped create change uh, in your life. Yeah. That's awesome. So thank you guys for tuning in and, uh, we will catch you guys next week for another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast. That's it. See you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Transformation Church weekly follow-up podcast. It would mean so much to us if you would subscribe, like, and review on iTunes. You get double points if you show us love by sharing it with your friends. Don't forget, you can follow Pastor Justin and Pastor Brad on Instagram and Twitter at Justin Oswald underscore and at Brad Livingston underscore. You can tweet them your questions and comments or email them to us at followup at transformationchurch.com. For more info on Transformation Church, visit us online at transformationchurch.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. We'll be here next week where we will help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us.